1: Welcome to the Bloomberg Markets Podcast. I'm Paul Sweeney, alongside my co-host, Matt
2: Miller.
3: Every business day we bring you interviews from CEOs, market pros, and Bloomberg experts, along with essential market moving news. Find the Bloomberg
1: Markets Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and at Bloomberg.com slash
3: podcast. I want to bring in Jill Garvey, senior VP and senior wealth strategist at the Huntington National Bank. Um and, and get your take, Jill, on the markets. I mean, on a day when we're ripping up after the Kremlin hinted that, hinted that uh, uh, progress and peace talks with Ukraine um, looks good. The Ukrainians uh, kind of did the same. So, um, And this ahead of a Fed rate hike that we were all expecting. Um, what do you think about equity indexes right now?
4: Good morning, Matt and Paul. It's great to be with you. Well, number one, our thoughts are with the 44 million Ukrainians in this terrible human strategy. And number two, in terms of the market, we're really going to be focusing on the language around the increase. We think that the Fed will make a 25 um, basis point increase today. We expect maybe three more increases this year. So we're watching the markets very carefully. We think the volatility is going to stay elevated in the markets. During the first half of 2022, and there are three sources, one from inflation, two from the central bank responses, and three from the continued conflict in the Ukraine.
1: So, Jill, coming into this year, I read a lot of strategy pieces from our our good friends on, on Wall Street, and they said, get ready for volatility in 2022. And boy, were they right on that call. Is that something you expect to continue here Uh, Over the course of this year as we try to digest some of these geopolitical risks as well as economic and financial risks?
4: Yes, we absolutely expect volatility to continue, and we're viewing that as an opportunity, Matt and Paul. We have clients who are sitting on a lot of cash, as you know, representing clients nationally as as a top national bank. We're seeing tons of liquidity events, so our clients have cash. And we're using that cash as an opportunity to extend our dollar cost averaging programs and strategically go into the market. Our equity team has a shopping list, and we're being very strategic in how we deploy our cash. Right now, we're focused heavily on equities and being U.S.-centric. And, again, unless we're actively deploying the cash to go into the market, we're telling our clients to hold back on the amount of cash that you have and remain bond light. In this period of what we see will be increasing interest rates.
3: First of all, I want to say uh, that Ohio is a great place to be if you have cash. Is that right? I mean, having cash is probably good no matter what, but being and What in do you do with it in Ohio? It's just a very inexpensive place to live. Is it? Okay. Um, and a fantastic place to live, Um you know, culturally rich. Pretty good football team, as I understand. Great sports, okay. um, really across the board. But um, wh- where where would you buy equities in terms of um, industry groups? What would you look at? Anything stand out for you? Or are you doing bottoms-up research? How does it look?
4: Well, it depends on what our clients are focused. So we think of our client overall portfolios in a few different segments. Number one, lifestyle. So in the example of working with a number of business owners, if they liquidate, they need a tranche of their portfolio to provide for their lifestyle. So that may be a little more dividend focused. And in that space, we're looking at technology, healthcare, and energy for clients who also have a portion of assets that they will never outlive in our reserve for legacy purposes, we may be more growth focused. And in that case, we also like healthcare. We're also looking at REITs and consumer staples. So it really depends on our client's goals and we're ready to act and invest depending on those.
1: How concerned are you about inflation? I just filled up my gas tank and boom, I really experienced some inflation there. How concerned are you about that as it relates to kind of equity returns?
4: Well, that's that's certainly a common concern. Um, And even though I travel to Ohio a lot, I'm in Gross Point Farms, Michigan, looking out at Lake St. Clair right now. In very nice Gross Point, and everyone, yes, and everyone is concerned. The boaters are concerned about how much it's going to cost to fill up their gas. So our focus right now is firmly on protecting our clients' purchasing power, whether that's to fill up their cars, fill up. Their boats buy everyday items in this very high inflation and low yield environment. And again, we are tackling that and being very strategic about it by being bond light in our portfolios. I'm not saying mm. we are not without bonds, but we're being bond light.
3: So, uh, first of all, I agree. Gross Point is gorgeous. Also, I love the John Cusack film, Perfect. Gross, gross yep. Point Blank. Oh, I'm Just brilliant. Um,
4: which was uh, not filmed in gross point
3: no no i didn't know that
4: just the opening scene was lakeshore drive huh
3: wow uh, that's interesting i'll have to look that up i, I just want to get your take on the automakers though since you're so close uh just down the street from general motors um uh like twin towers there They look like two giant cylinders mm-hmm. sticking up out of central detroit and ford uh, oh, just close to you over in Dear- dearborn what do you think about the automakers now
4: certainly there's a big push with the electric vehicles and we have a number of auto dealer clients and our auto dealer clients have been doing very well even though the supply is low I mean drive by any dealership lot and you really can't get anything but the increase in used vehicle sales are helping them and clients are going to talk to their customers about getting in Buying the cars several months in advance out of the leases. So it really hasn't impaired the auto dealers' revenue streams.
1: Hey, Jill, thanks and so I much for joining us. Uh, we always appreciate getting your thoughts and perspective from the great Midwest Gross Point, Michigan. Jill Garvey, Senior Vice President and Senior Wealth Strategist at Huntington uh, National Bank. It is Fed Day, and of course, Bloomberg Radio TV will bring you live coverage beginning at 1.30 uh, Wall Street time. That's in the PM. Let's get a preview of what we might hear from our Federal Reserve and from our Federal Reserve Chairman, Jay Powell. Let's bring in Jennifer Lee, Senior Economist and Managing Director at BMO Capital Markets. Jennifer, what are you looking out for today when we hear from Fed Chair Jay Powell?
7: Uh, good morning. I think uh, the, the, the questions of what uh, or how aggressive he's going to be, what kind of signals he'll send out um, as to how he sees uh, rate hikes going forward um, will be closely watched. And, you know, I'm sure he's going to use the words like nimble and humble and uncertain and, and, and rightfully so, because uh, I think that's uh, critical now for, uh, for any central bankers is to remain nimble and humble and, and because there's so much uncertainty right now in the, in the markets.
3: Yeah, and they want to keep their optionality open as well um what do you see as the odds of a recession you know from here jennifer especially i look at the warp function on the bloomberg terminal and i see almost eight rate hikes priced in through february of 2023 um the curve is i don't know right now what is it like 23 uh points so almost completely flat and you've got inflation um, that looks like it could pretty easily hit double digits in the short term. Um, 35% seems kind of low to me. What's your view?
7: Oh, So, base case scenario, it's it's not in our forecast, but obviously it's something that we are watching very closely. I think, um, you know, I'm going to say anything between like 25 to 30%, I think, odds right now for – Recession is probably uh, uh, my best guess right now. Um, You know, of course, I'm going to keep saying that the U.S. is coming off of a a base of of great strength as as we left the pandemic. Um, although I don't think the pandemic is officially over yet, but you know the, the U.S. has been very strong um, um, going or going into and heading out of it. So I think that will work totally in its favor. Of course, there is the risk that the Fed is going to overshoot. You know, we are looking for Fed, uh, for the Fed to go five times this year, and for next year for a total of um, 225 basis points. If I do my math right, 25 basis points each. So just within neutral territory, I guess by towards the end of next year. Um, and yeah, you're right. I mean, inflation is, is definitely higher than we we were above consensus always, but uh, even it's going higher than we had imagined. And, you know, we're already seeing double digits in, in terms of the PPI already, too. So a little on the scary side, in my opinion.
1: All right. I should note here, the Bloomberg Markets is brought to you by Commonwealth, supporting more than 2,000 independent financial advisors with the solutions they need to grow a thriving business. Commonwealth, go where you grow. Visit Commonwealth.com to learn more. That's exactly where I wanted to kind of go, Jennifer, inflation. I mean, Yes, we're seeing it. The question is, to what extent uh, will it be transitory and when will it start to come down? I just don't think we should be relying on our Federal Reserve to really battle inflation, given it seems like a lot of it has been the result of this pandemic, of the supply chain issues um, and that those just need to play out. How do you think about the Fed, you know, thinks about its role in fighting inflation?
7: is uh you know they can only do so much um they can't do anything in terms of like raising rates is not going to help energy prices come down you know of course the a rally today which is which is helpful but you know raising rates is not going to help the energy crunch um, at all but it will help will help at least you know clip a little bit of that strong demand as you as you pointed out coming from uh, um, uh, from the pandemic itself um, and that will at least help cool inflation somewhat Uh, The supply chain issues remain a problem, and and this uh, invasion of Ukraine has worsened it. You know, you've you've seen (laughs) stories about all these carmakers who are already, you know, pulling back some of the production because of lack of supplies coming from Ukraine that that originally came from Ukraine, and now they don't get them anymore. So that's going to be a problem. And, and of course, uh, this week, you know, news of China and uh, shutting down Shenzhen and Shanghai, which is huge, you know, and then that's does not help the supply um, issues at all. So that's going to make things a little bit worse. We're probably going to see inflation heading higher um, before it starts coming down.
3: Jennifer, what do you make of the very positive China news we got out today? Um, it just seems so comprehensive that they're uh, ready to boost companies, uh, markets, the economy from every direction.
7: Well, so I sort of take it with a grain of salt. I mean, China can do, you know, the government can do whatever it wants. Um, and, you know, um, so when I'm looking, for example, at the data, um, you know, the industrial production data and the retail sales data, always take these um, early year um, reports with a grain of salt because it's so heavily influenced by the, the Chinese New Year, the festivities. And this year was sort of skewed because they were told, uh, all the citizens were told, please don't travel and, and don't spend all your money and everything because you have to stay put because of the pandemic. So I sort of take that with a grain of salt, but um, for sure, China's, uh, the government saying that is going to go out and, so, and, and throw it in so much support shows that, you know, that the economy is economy is weaker, and they are willing to do whatever it takes, I think, to to keep, to throw its support behind it.
1: All right, Jennifer, thanks so much uh, for joining us. appreciate getting your thoughts, your perspective. Uh, from Toronto, Canada, Jennifer Lee, Senior Economist and Managing Director of BMO Capital Markets. <music> A lot of cross currents out there. We've got talk of inflation, stagflation, recession. That's a lot for this Federal Reserve to deal with, and we're going to hear about that later today with Fed Chairman Jay Powell. Stephen O, Global Head of Fixed Income at Pine Bridge Investments, joins us here. Stephen, again, a lot of cross currents out there for this Fed to navigate. What are you really focusing
2: on here? Well, I think the expectation of what the Fed is going to do in terms of rate hike is pretty much uh, baked in at this point of a 25 basis point rate hike. So the focus is really going to be on guidance and signaling with respect to how they intend to uh, have a glide path for future moves, including what is the terminal uh, rate forecast look like and does it change? as well as, although there won't be explicit guidance on what they intend to do with the balance sheet reduction, uh, to the extent that they will indicate that aspect. And then the third component is going to be around a number of questions that I'm sure will be forthcoming with respect to impact from the uh, Russia invasion of Ukraine. What do you think about the, um, you know, with the Russian
3: invasion of uh, Ukraine, with the uh, incredible inflation that we've seen as a result of the pandemic. You've got this flattening yield curve uh, almost down to zero, and we're uh, the Fed's about to embark on a hiking cycle. What's the likelihood of a recession?
2: I think the risk of a recession has been elevated. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, Europe is you know in all likelihood about to uh, go into a new, uh, recession assuming that the conflict remains uh, unsolved uh, unresolved uh, overall uh, so so the risk is certainly higher but you know one of the aspects of what's played out right now with the yield curve is the fact that not only the yield curve but credit markets has been the tightening of financial conditions. when you think about what does the Fed attempt to do to rein in inflation by, you know, monetary policy is to dampen demand by, uh, in effect, uh, tightening financial conditions. And in some respects, that has already taken place from a combination of Fed expectation, but also with higher recession uh, probability scenarios, albeit it still is in the minority.
1: All right, Stephen, you're global head of fixed income. Where do you see opportunities in fixed income given that backdrop?
2: It's interesting because at the start of the year, the single biggest concern was relating to a lack of opportunities given how tight valuations were across the board, across almost all asset classes. And what you have today is a flip-flop from the standpoint that the fundamental outlook was much stronger at the beginning of the year, but valuations were extremely tight with respect to that outlook. Today, what you have are circumstances whereby valuations are much more attractive in in, in parts of the fixed income marketplace, but the fundamental outlook has deteriorated a combination of both inflation persistency uh, as well as the geopolitical risk overall. So where we see the opportunities are more in traditional sort of risk asset classes. When you look at, you know, investment grade corporate credit in the U.S. now, You know, with spreads that have widened out to sort of the 135, 140 type of level, high yield spreads are now, you know, started the year in the high 200s. Now we're in the 400s overall. It's not absolutely cheap, but it's certainly a much more attractive starting point, as well as the fact that I think it'll be a little bit more controversial. But, you know, Treasury uh, yield curves are now. You know substantially higher certainly than when we were at the beginning of the year and so at the start of the year we were concerned about uh, treasury risk exposure now it's starting to enter into a territory where it becomes you know somewhat attractive uh, overall so there's a lot more opportunities for longer term investors i think the concern right now is where did the next you know two to three months take you as opposed to uh where does the market opportunity set look like if you're looking to invest for the next two years
3: um I'm not sure if you wade into these waters, but what do you think about distressed debt buyers looking at Russian debt?
2: Uh, I, you know, having been a distressed practitioner myself in the past, I always say that there's two axioms of distressed investing one go where there is a lot of stress and, you know, for the most part, we haven't had much distress. So I have uh, been very averse to distressed debt for the last several years uh, overall. uh, you know, I, I view the pandemic opportunity not as a distressed opportunity, but it's really as a uh, dislocation opportunity for, for really performing debt. Uh, in terms of Russia right now, where there is trauma, there is clearly an opportunity, and I'm sure there is a number of opportunities in Russia. But my concern would be uh, the players that are looking at it, one, do they have the expertise as opposed to we saw circumstances where distressed investors were buying into Argentina, Venezuela – And frankly, without the uh, knowledge or the capabilities overall. And then I think the second broader concern that you have to ask yourself uh, is given the circumstances, while as investors are trying to produce the best outcome, you know, is there a moral and ethical obligation in terms of how you produce that outcome? And what is your comfort level? What is your uh, investor comfort level with investing into a Russia type situation? Uh, that could be benefiting uh, whether the government or, or other borrowers there.
1: All right. Very, very interesting. Lots going on there. Steve O, we appreciate getting your time. Steve O, Global Head of Fixed Income, Pinebridge Investments, there.
5: Success is more than the final destination, it's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline, it's teamwork, and it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Steefel's been doing for over 130 years. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com.
2: Steeple Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE.
6: You know success when you see it, or you think you do. The people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers, Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time.
1: Uh, a lot going on, and I'm not sure I want to be a credit investor here, but uh, we'll have to see how it goes. But Steve, uh,
3: you know, he's not really going in th- that distressed debt for the Russian debt. He's not doing it, but you got to bet somebody is. We need to call up Hans Humes or get hold of somebody from Elliott because – this is when the sharks start to circle you know um when you start to see debt priced at 20 cents on the dollar um and headed down uh especially you know today's the day right today is the day they need to pay 100 i think 117 million dollars um and then they get a uh as Damian sassauer is explaining it to me a 30 day grace period so default is imminent yeah that's
1: going to be Amazing if and when that happens, because it's been a while since we've had to, to deal with that. But you don't want to put Argentina in the same sentence as with any other country, I don't think. All right, let's get a little preview here. We're waiting for President Biden to make some comments uh, on uh, the situation in Ukraine. But, of course, it is a Fed day. We're expecting comments from Fed Chairman Jay Powell this afternoon. Michael McKee joins us, kind of Bloomberg economist extraordinaire for Bloomberg News. Bloomberg Television joins us here on our Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio I will be paying attention this afternoon. I will be listening, Mike. Trust me on that. What should I be listening for? <laughs> uh,
8: what's next? We okay. know what the what is happening today. The Fed's going to raise rates, and they're going to put out new projections. Uh, the question is, what's next? How fast are they going to raise rates? How often are they going to raise rates? Uh, that's what the market's going to care about. And uh, give us some idea of how you're going to pull this off without sending the economy into recession. What do you think the risk is there of that recession? You know, it- is it climbing?
3: Is it climbing? There was a great piece by uh, Nikos Chrysolares uh, over the weekend about, you know, the, um, the light is starting to, to dim a little bit here. Goldman yeah. Sachs last week raised their um, likelihood to 35%. And I felt like that was low given all of the bad news we're getting around slowing growth uh, and around accelerating inflation in the midst of a war.
8: I think that the, the odds have risen a lot, uh, in part because of the war. Uh, what's interesting is uh, everybody immediately went to energy prices, and then energy prices have started to come back down again. Yep. And a lot of analysts point to the fact that uh, usually a spike doesn't last that long. And if we can avoid that, then maybe we can avoid recession, but it's going to be really hard for the Fed to put, to get rid of inflation, to get inflation down. Uh, from where it is now without getting awfully close to recession. See, m-
1: my thought was, and, you know, probably sleeping through half of my economics classes at Duke, that this inflation has not been pr- has not been primarily driven by the Fed. It has been primarily driven by some of the impacts of the pandemic, the supply chain challenges. Sure. You know, you've got that's, And as those things play out, then it's going to take care of itself.
8: Well, that's been the feds argument all along that's where transitory came okay. from they, not a great strategy they admit though. it's not yeah. <laughs> well it's, a, it's going a little bit more slowly they anticipated but uh it's there's still reason to think in a lot of these areas that will happen uh we will see supply chains rationalize although somebody please hopefully somebody please tell me what's happening in japan because you remember what happened the last time we had uh, the earthquake? earthquake there yeah. in terms of supply chains and then uh, we will see the base effects come in, where uh, the high, high inflation last year will start to fall out. And then uh, we'll see some of these uh, things that, like used cars, they're already going down in price. The question is, how far do they go down? And what's the impact of the war? How long is that going to last? Uh, all those things make your confidence interval. Well, be, I, look, I just talked to yesterday, yesterday,
3: the low. CEO of Mercedes. And I said, you know, give me a date. When is the chip shortage going to be fixed so that, you know, we can all get the cars and trucks that we've ordered on time? And he said, I'm not optimistic it's going to happen this year. You know, it's uh, going to yeah. be into next year. And I remember when last year, year. they were saying it was going to be into the beginning of 2022. So yep. it's going to take a little longer. I want to just read a quote if I can. Uh, this is from Ed Clissold, who is the chief U.S. strategist at Ned Davis Research. So. He says over time, the three biggest factors that tend to drive the U.S. economy into a recession and count along with me here are one, an inverted yield curve. We're almost there two, some kind of commodity price shock. We've definitely seen that or Fed tightening.
8: Number three, all of these things are happening. Am I being alarmist? (laughs) Uh, No, you're not being alarmist. Uh, The only question is. how long do those effects last? Now, if you're looking at yield curves, uh, interesting note this morning uh, from the folks at Datatrack. Uh, yeah, the 10, uh, two-year two tenure is, is uh, very narrow, but the three-month uh, tenure is not a problem at all. And so uh, it kind of depends on what you're looking at. And as they say, the yield curve's predicted uh, 10 of the last, you know, five recessions. Right, exactly. Um,
3: so well all you know, of them but, given a long enough time period after, yeah. right?
8: Well, in a long, <laughs> given always, a long enough time frame we're all dead as <laughs> as they in say. The long but run. the commodities, you know, the, a lot of them have started to come down. If it's not just oil. Um, and, it, and it isn't just nickel, which is struggling to find a price, right. but uh, some of the other commodities, uh, wheat has come down significantly. Wheat. That's pronounced wheat. wheat. <laughs> is that, what, is that the Ohio yeah. wheat? Wheat thins, you know? <laughs> uh, Triscuits. Uh, anyway, uh, so it's—I it's, mean, you— I, I tell you, I, I will uh, give you, let you in know, a little secret here. I was uh, talking with David Weston a few minutes ago, and uh, he was asking, what are you gonna ask the, uh, the, the chairman? And I said, well, if I ask last, I'm gonna say three-year pandemic, war in Europe, inflation at its highest in four decades, the possibility of recession, and now an earthquake in Japan. Are you sure you wanna be confirmed <laughs> to yeah. this job for another term? <laughs> exactly.
1: Is 50 basis points today off the table?
8: Pretty much. Okay. Um, the 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 Fed would only do that to make a point and I don't think they wanna why? What the, the, the point
3: would be like we're not communicating to well, you what we're gonna do ahead of time anymore. Their their
8: feeling is if you are clear and direct with the markets, then the markets absorb the monetary policy that you want without volatility that you don't want. In other words, we've seen mortgage rates go up, we're seeing lending rates go up, and the Fed hasn't done anything yet, but we also haven't had a, a taper tantrum, so.
1: What else should we be looking
3: for again? But I wonder ra- about Sarah Bloom Raskin. Can we, can we yeah, ask? yes sure. Uh, about uh, Raskin. Um, so that's off the table. She's out of there, basically. Um, Sherrod Brown had tied all four of these confirmations together. He wanted to do them all at once, the senator from the great state of Ohio. Um, But uh, now we need to know who the fourth is going to be, and maybe they change that plan. Still— Powell may not
8: necessarily be in this job for much longer, right? <laughs> I mean,
3: he, he hasn't been confirmed yet.
8: Yeah, well, he can be in the job for many years uh, as chairman because he's got uh, years to go on his uh, board governorship, for which he's separately confirmed. But uh, um, it's the, they are probably going to move expeditiously on the four remaining nominees, and we don't know if or when we'll get a vice chair for supervision, because with an election coming up in the fall, if you think the Republicans were stalling on Sarah Bloom Raskin, whoever (laughs) the president puts up, they're probably going to try to drag it out long enough that if they take control of the Senate... Well, and if the
3: president wants to put forward a progressive candidate, he or she is is likely going to have said something in the past, right? We all say some things um, that... uh, that the Republicans are going to want to use against her. That Toomey is going to say, no way, Jose. Yeah,
8: same thing happened with uh, Solly Omarosa, the uh, nominee, president's nominee for controller of the currency. And uh, she was forced to withdraw her nomination. So I I would not expect that seat to be filled for a while. Wow. All
3: right. Is that enough for Mike? Should we let him go to TV? I uh, usually like to hog him, but I guess he's going to have
1: to go. Well, John <laughs> Farrow, go do the Tom Keene, they, they were making some ugly faces Why as, aren't they? as they walked by.
3: Did they leave? Oh, I thought they were coming in here. I thought they were going to come in yeah, here. I don't know I don't, I don't. know where they are. They're but, getting um, ready for the big TV show. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Markets Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to interviews at Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you prefer. I'm Matt Miller. I'm on Twitter at MattMiller1973. And I'm Paul Sweeney. I'm on Twitter at P.T. Before the podcast,
1: you can always catch us worldwide at Bloomberg Radio.